and we will turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we're in our 10th section now of this psalm. Uh, I was expecting to go through it uh, two or three at a time, but uh, then once I got into just after the first one, I started realizing there's so much in each one of these sections. It's like a psalm in itself, although they're interconnected, as we'll see, kind of one builds on the other. And we're now to the, we're the notice, if you have a, most Bibles will have the, the spelled out letter of the uh, Hebrew alphabet, and this one is Yod, Y-O-D or Y-O-D-H, either way. And um, this uh, is a, <clears throat> just the smallest, it's a little curly Q, it's almost like an apostrophe. That is actually a letter in the um, in the Hebrew alphabet. Yes, ma'am. What? J O D. Okay, there again. It's how do you spell it? Like, do we say Jehovah or do we say uh, you know other people will say Yahweh and all the rest? But uh, or they will have different ways of Yahushua, you know, whatever, uh, or Jehovah. And so we see that. Um, but uh, um, it's Y-O-D, Y-O-D-H, J-O-D. Okay, that would give better, um, better um, affirmation of what the Lord said in Matthew 5, where he said not one jot nor tittle uh, would pass from his law. And that was, he was saying just even the, the smallest letter is not going to be changed in his law. And so we see that uh, his, his word is going to last forever. So the psalm is, pro- is progressing in the meditation on God's word. And we said all but two verses in the entire 176th verse psalm uh, refers to some aspect of the word of God. He is determined to keep his mind on the Lord and on his word rather than on the problems caused by his enemies. And we see that the biggest problem he had, somebody was defaming him horribly. And you see that almost in every, uh, every section that we have seen so far. Something is going on where he is walking the floor or thinking about walking the floor at night. There's only been one or two times in my entire life I've done that, where my, you hear that something, somebody has said something about you or that you realize they could destroy your whole ministry, your whole life. And, um, and so this is something that was obviously concerning him. Uh, in the previous section, of his, he writes, It was good for me to be afflict, afflicted that I may learn your statutes. That's verse 71. That's one of those difficult verses we discussed it was good. Is God good even in afflictions? And we last time we we entitled the message uh, or that section, God is good, even in affliction. And he teaches us so many things in affliction. And we'll see this, it comes up again uh, in this chapter or in this uh, section also. He says, in this section he states, in faithfulness you have afflicted me, in verse 75. So it was good for me to be afflicted, and in your faithfulness you afflicted me. That is, you know, they're, they're gonna, those are those hard things to look at in life. You know, 
we want to think of, you know, when we just live for the Lord, it's happy, happy, happy all the time. Well, no, we all still have our trials. We still have all of our temptations. I really, my pastor was so um, practical. And uh, I remember him saying, you know, a young person, whether they're saved or unsaved, are going to have the same problems as far as meeting problems in life. You just hope that the um, saved and the Christian teenager or, or young person um, knows how or will give his life and, and learn by experience what God is doing. But uh, there's no difference in any, any of us. I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I am a sinner. And I have the temptations, I have the problems, and each one, each one of us do that everyone else has. But so we see that in the problems of life, uh, we see that God, uh, God allows bad things to happen to good people. And we see that he has confidence, but he has confidence in those judgments. And that's the word there that we look at. Why does God do things the way he does? And he tells us that uh, in his judgment, he says, there's no temptation taking you, but such is a common demand. But God is faithful who will not tempt you above that which you are able. Well, right, there's a judgment. God will not take you farther than he knows you can go. And so um, we see that he, that uh, that's God's judgment. But yet he does allow the trials to come along. I got a shock this afternoon. And uh, Anna knows what I'm talking about. I, oh, no, you know, but then again, it turned out all right. But um, we're going to see one of the things that people are looking at is what do we do when the judgments come, when the problems come. And I do, and you do, and I did, especially when I was a young Christian, when things went wrong for other people, I kind of watched to see what they would do if they were Christians. Because everybody was better than me as far as I thought. And I remember two or three people that uh, I just watched whenever, I knew something was going on in their lives, and I was watching to see how they were going to handle it. Well, the, now it's turned 180 degrees on me now as a pastor. So people are watching me to see what's going to happen when things go wrong. Aren't you glad that uh, the problem that we had this afternoon, you didn't hear me, uh, um, you know, flying off the handle or whatever else? No, see, you know, whatever I could have. But there again, what would have happened if I had done that? It wouldn't have been a good testimony to you or to anyone else. And so we see that uh, trials come our way and people are watching. Oh, that's a Christian. Let's see how they handle this. And as much as I don't want to say, I mean, I don't want to be judgmental or whatever, we all do it. No judgments on you judge every people. You judge people every day. We all do. And so this whole idea of no judgment zones and all that is, is a fallacy because we all do it. But... Um, at the time, time, same time, we see that this is a prayer of his. Lord, get, keep your testimony. My testimony is your testimony of what you can do through me. And of course, that song that we just sang, God never moves without purpose or plan. So everything in my life has a purpose. Um, when trying his servant and molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long. In darkness, he giveth a song. Oh, rejoice in the Lord. He makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried, I will be, 
but purified. And I shall come forth as gold. And so that was a testimony of, of Job. You know, I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be, uh, there's things, but Lord, may I come forth as gold. And so there will be testings. And th sometimes those testings are long. And I've even prayed in uh, some of my prayers on Sunday morning, Lord, some of our people are really going through some long testings. And so can we trust God with these testings as we go through them? And so this is really a statement again, as he's concentrating now, I'm staying on the word of God. Yes, I've got all these things. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I think this, I mean, as far as um, this man, I'm thinking he's thinking that. What are they saying? You can't stop people from saying mean things about you. And oh, you know what's going on and you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know who's going to believe it. Those are some of the most terrifying times, especially if your reputation, if your job depends or your ministry depends on your reputation or your business or whatever else. And so we see that this was something that was really on his mind. And so we see in chapter or in the section Yod, Y-O-D or uh, Jod or whatever, we see in verse 73 through 80, he says, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be for my comfort. According to your word, to your, to your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live. For your, for your law is my delight. Let the proud be, be ashamed. For they treated me wrongfully with falsehood. But I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear, uh, fear you turn to me. Those who know your testimonies. Let my heart be blameless regarding your statutes, that I may not be ashamed. So we see that now he is saying, Lord, I know you love me. And so I've broken it down into two different sections here. Verses 73 through 75, he says, this, these things I know. And that's what we need to do when we're going through troubles. What do I know that God says? And what can I trust him in saying it, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. What are the things I can control? I can control what I know and what I know of my Lord. I can't control the circumstances around me at times, but I can go back and review what I know. Jesus loves me, this I think. No, this I know. And so I know that you love me. Now in saying that, notice how far he goes back. And this helps us too. It goes back to creation. We talked about creation Sunday morning and how that God created us and, and uh, even Israel. And if God can created us, he created us for a purpose. He created uh, the world and he saw that that was very good. And goodness, of course, means it was perfect. And he created it for a reason. And so he made me and then he fashioned me. Now that means that he designed me. And to see that design, go over 20 Psalms, 
to Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite psalms. It's really helped me out, especially when I was going through the time of maturity and the Lord was teaching me so many things even about myself. But he says now in verse 17, he says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I count them, they are more than number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Boy, that verse, I've told you about that verse. When I saw that verse, it just jumped out at me. I was in a very lonely place, not knowing what was going to happen uh, even in the next week as far as my life was concerned. But when I awake, thou art still with me. And I had a happy spell that night. That's one of those verses I'll never forget. And that's what I hope that you have, is some of those verses that have jumped out at you at the right time, and you'll never forget them. Forget them. And so now he says, um, he says, wait a minute. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to verse 13. I had skipped over the section I was wanting to look at, and I was on the wrong page. Uh, psalm 139, verse 13. There for a second, I said, wait a minute. I know this psalm. Why can't I find what I want? But I, I had skipped over a paragraph. Verse 13. For you formed me, for you formed my inward parts. He formed. Now remember, when he made or created, it was out of nothing. But whenever, of course, well, let's get technical, created was out of nothing. Made means he made us out of something. Of course, there had to be uh, a birth there or a, a uh, coming together. But um, then when he fashioned me, though, he designed me ahead of time. He already had the blueprints of, of me. He already knew how tall I was going to be, how much weight. He knew so much about me that I didn't have any, uh, any control over I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, that's fancy, fancy wording saying that, Lord, in the you know, when the whole world didn't know what was going on, you were fashioning me, you designed me just the way I am. He says, your eyes saw my substance, uh, yet being unformed. And in your book, all, uh, uh, all my members were written, uh, in the days you fashioned me, for as yet they were, there was none of them. Now this is a little bit different wording than the King James that I memorized. But the idea was, God already knew what I was like before there was a first chromosome. God designed me. You said, wait a minute, Pastor, what about all those people that are born in various circumstances? God knows. And that's the one hope that we can give to people is that if God brought you, he fashioned you to be here for his purpose. And God has a purpose for your life. That gives you hope. That gives you a reason for being here. One of the sad things that we have in today's culture, in our society, as we've turned away from God, kids are saying, why am I here? What am I doing? Nobody loves me. All this, and all these things that we hear from young people. And who told me, I mean, 
so, you know, I, I'm self-determining. I, I don't know why I'm here. I, you know, I'm all mixed up. So obviously somebody made a mistake. So I want to be a girl or I want to be a boy or whatever else. As if God didn't know what he was doing when he made you. But there's a God in heaven and he designed you just the way you are. What the Lord Jesus said, which of you, uh, by giving thought, worrying about it, can add one uh, cubit to your statue? Now, that's 18 inches, but even with that, uh, think about that. There's, uh, other than wearing platform shoes or elevator shoes, uh, maybe poofing your hair up a little bit, like uh, those hairdos that guys used to wear, I um, you know, until they, they were six, six feet tall until they got a haircut, then they're only five, four or whatever, you know, but, uh, but when they tease their hair and all, but, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do other, other than maybe change your image a little bit by, by some adaptations outwardly. But God knew exactly what you were going to look like. And so that gives you value. God made you. And uh, the great thing about that is that, uh, that God also gives other people ideas of who you are. And oh my, we always look for the glamorous. And I was looking at something on the internet the other day. They were talking about what beauty was for women back 100 years ago. And some of those things that women wore and some of the, even their, they were talking about even their form and everything was different than it was today. Back in the 1800s, uh, a sign of class in France, especially, was women being a little chubby or fat, even, because only fat people had enough food to eat, or only rich people had enough food to eat. And so, if you didn't have, if you weren't pleasantly plump, then you were a lower class person. If you were like Twiggy or some of these, anybody, you know who Twiggy was? Okay, I'm sorry. I, uh, I flash back to Twiggy was a paper-thin model that uh, she had to dance around in the shower get, to get wet. She was English, and they called her Twiggy. And so um, that was back in the 60s. Sorry about that. But, <laughs> but, uh, uh, there, you know, but God knows exactly what you, who you are when you were born. He, you had no choice about your parentage. Or even happened, what happened to, what about uh, the people that uh, were thrown away? Well, even though your parents might not have had a reason for you to be here, God did. And there's a God in heaven. And that's the one thing I try to concentrate on now is our Father. A lot of people say that uh, the forgotten person of the Godhead is not... Uh, is, uh, is the Holy Spirit. No, I think he's overemphasized. I think our Father is the one who's the forgotten person. He treats us, I mean, he's our father. And we'll see that even as uh, the writer here talks about uh, God's tender mercies. And so we see that uh, uh, I know that God loves me. And so he says, your hands made me, fashioned me. Um, you, Lord, give me understanding that I may learn the benefits of following you because you made me to glorify you and you set the rule. You designed me th that I will operate the best if I follow this book that you gave me. And if I can get this word planted in my heart, then I can have fullness of life. I can really have a reason for being here 
and I could find that joy, that peace, that power, that whatever you want to call it, the, all the fullness of the Godhead that God wants us to have. And so he says, uh, God made me, and uh, he created me. He designed me for a purpose. Uh, even whenever people don't like me, I like what Paul fell back on. By the, and really, you notice he made with, with his hands. Um, he, by, your, uh, he, by your hands fashioned me. Two ways that he did that. First of all, God created you, uh, proverbially with his hands. But then also he redeemed you with his hands, did he not? The nail-scarred hands on the cross. And so, and Luke spends more time than any other writer in the Bible about the God's hands. He talks about Jesus' hands more over and over again. If you, when you read the book of Luke, uh, circle how many times he talks about God, about Jesus' hands. But he saved me. He redeemed me. He loves me. And his hand is upon me and upon you. And so we see that God controls us. He made us with his hands. Then we see, Lord, give me understanding that I may realize all these benefits. Then he says, uh, notice in the verse, next verse, those who fear you will be glad when they see me. Oh, Lord, may I have that type of life that, oh, here comes so-and-so. Here comes pastor. I won't say pastor, but that should not be just me, but it should be you. Oh, this person is a joyful person. This person, they, I just feel better when I'm around them. I feel they're positive, they're joyful, they're thankful, they're appreciative, they help me, they accommodate me, they, oh, you know, they're, they're glad to have me around because I'm a good person. And, not, and that's what I want to be. I don't want people, oh no, here he comes again. Do you? None of us like that. But Lord, that uh, I reflect the joy, your joy in my life. Oh, that when people see me, they say, come right on in. Or they are just glad to be around me because I know you, and especially Christians. Now, I know that if I have a good Christian testimony, there's going to be people that won't like me around. But oh, if the right people want me around, then that's, that's a real joy. So he says, those who fear you will be glad when they see me because why? I've hoped in your word. I've expected your word. And then you go back, go back to, um, to uh, verses 49. Remember the word, O Lord, which uh, you have caused me to hope that this is my comfort and my affliction. Notice there's that affliction again. For your word has given me life. So Lord, may I just have that full of life type of person, that, uh, that I'm a pleasant person to be around, even in my sorrow, even in my worry, that people see that I walk with you and that they like to be around me, even in the hard times. Now, he says, now notice the next verse, I know, I know, I know, I know, O Lord, that your judgments those things that you allow to happen in my life, those trials, those, those things that I can't control, whatever happens, I know are right. There again, give thanks to the Lord for though his testing seems long in darkness, he gives a song. Lord, I know that you're right. 
I know that what you do is in the end going to be for your glory if I react to it the right way. But Lord, it sure is hard going through it right now. You ever been there? We all have. But Lord, I'm going to hang on to you for dear life because I know what I know. And that is, I know who I know. I know you. And that is, and great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning from thee. Oh my, Lord, I know that you care about me. And so, again, uh, and that, uh, and faithfulness, there's that affliction again. In faithfulness, you have afflicted me. You have allowed this to happen for my good and for your testimony. Now, you're good, God. Uh, so I know whatever you do is good, even though to me it looks bad right now. God is not the creator of evil, but he does allow evil people to affect his people. If he didn't, he would have already you know, thrown Satan in hell a long time ago. But God has to give us a choice. And that is, are we going to follow him or are we going to fall back on our own ways? Uh, the just, the justified, are going to walk by faith. And so we realize, uh, and faith has trials. If there were no trials, there would be no faith. And so we see that uh, in, in faithfulness, you have afflicted me. These things I know. All things work together for good because you're good. To them that love God, to them that are called, those who are created, those who are redeemed according to his purpose. Lord, right now I can't see how in the world it's going to work out. Right now it's the pits. Right now I feel just horrible. I feel tired. I'm sleepy. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm disillusioned. But in the end, Lord, I know who you are. Men have failed me. The arm of flesh has failed me. I mean, I am so disappointed in what I have seen in people or this person. But Lord, you're good. And you never fail. You ever been there? Yeah, we all have. And sometimes it's very severe. And, and people hurts are the worst kind of hurts. We say there's, uh, uh, there's people, circumstances, and things. Circumstances can turn and they can frustrate you. Things can break and, and hurt you. But when people hurt you, especially the closer you are to someone, the more you love them, the more they can hurt you. And so, oh my, Lord, I'm going to hang on to you. I know your judgments are right. I know I can trust your faithfulness. And even in this, you've afflicted me. And how many times have we talked about uh, people who have been afflicted? Uh, one of the most famous in the last generation has been uh, Joy, uh, well, it was Joy Tata, anyway, what's her middle name? Uh, but she, you know, she jumped off of a, a float into the ocean and um, she broke her neck and she's been paralyzed from the neck down. And But she was a Christian and she started painting with her mouth and all that. And Joy, what's her middle name? Uh, Tata, anyway, Tata. Uh, but uh, Johnny, I said Joy, jo that's what threw me. Johnny Erickson Tata. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of her? 
Okay, there's a new Christian. I love that. I mean, we got a lot to teach you. Well, you know, just a lot of things that I take for granted. But um, she was very well known uh, back, especially in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and she's, she's going to be about 50, 60 years old now. But uh, she was just a great testimony. And she is so, she even has a radio broadcast. And she is so positive. All she can do is talk. She just sits there, you know. And she, could, and she learned how to paint with her mouth. They, uh, people that stick paintbrushes in her mouth. But, uh, you know, but she has such a tremendous testimony to others. She's written books and all, all things. That's maybe, well, again, I'll let the get some of the, or get a list of things that you can buy from Christian books or whatever that I need to start getting into our people's hands. But... Um, She's a testimony. And then think of the songs. The song that we just sang, uh, uh, Rejoice in the Lord, that was when Ron Hamilton was losing an eye and here he was going to have a baby and all, you know, his, his wife was going to have a baby and now all of a sudden his whole life was going to be affected by it. What's going to happen? And then you think about uh, others who wrote songs when they lost children, like when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. So again, I know, I know these people knew and God came through in their lives and in darkness he gave a song. And most of our, many of our songs, not most, I don't know if there's most, I don't know what the percentage is, but how many songs in our hymn book come from deep sorrows, deep hurts? No one ever cared for me like Jesus. Other songs uh, that, uh, that we sing come from the deepest sorrows that uh, people have had. Um, oh, the one that J Timothy likes so much, Abide With Me, comes from a guy who uh, was a pastor and they literally had to carry him to the pulpit. He was so wrecked in pain and arthritis or whatever. Um, but uh, he would sometimes crawl to the pulpit. But what a preacher he was. Um, you know, abide with me and other songs that we, that we sing. And so, and, and it's interesting how those songs have, have, stood, have stood the test of time because they meant something to somebody and they really reached the, the deepest emotions. So I know, I know whom I believed. I know and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So we see, Lord, I know you love me. Now, Lord, since I know you love me, then there's five things that I ask you to do. Notice, let me, he says five different times in verses 76 through 80. He says, first of all, let, I pray, your merciful kindness be my comfort. Now, that word merciful kindness is the word loyal love. Kindness, what comes, love works. It's a, work, a labor of love. Whenever you love somebody, then you're kind to them and you want to extend favors to them. Um, you say, oh, I really like your work or I like what you've done. Oh, you're very kind. Why? Because you are building them. You're edifying them. You're building them up. And so when God builds us up, his loving kindness, his merciful kindness, and there again, that comes from the word loyal love. And so he pours out his kindnesses upon us because he loves us. And I, that has been my comfort 
And so, Lord, since your merciful kindness has been my, according to your word, your word to your servant, let your let I pray your merciful kind, kindness be my comfort. It's been it in the past. Now, Lord, may I learn. May I, I'm searching for it right now, and I want to have that peace that passes understanding. So ask for it. And so we see he says that. Then next thing he says, let your tender mercies come upon me. In very similar words. But the word tender is the idea, again, of fatherhood, of, of, of great care. I like what uh, this uh, old uh, English preacher said. He said, the mercies of God are tender mercies. They are the mercies of a father to his children. Nay, tender as the compassion of a mother over the son of her womb. They came unto us when we are not able to go to them. Think about it. Your children couldn't come to you at one time in their lives. You had to go to them. And think, and we have a father in heaven. And we are his children. And there are times when we are so racked in difficulties that we can't do anything but let him come to us. As a father pitieth his children, so have I pitied you. Can we trust God in those areas that when we can't even go to him, he will come to us? What a blessing, you know, to know his tender mercies in our lives. So that's the, that's the uh, second one. Notice, let the proud be ashamed. So there's those little proud people again. Almost in every frame, he, he says this. You know, these people, they've really said bad things about me. But I like really what uh, the psalmist has said earlier back in Psalm 83:16, And that's where he doesn't say, Lord, kill them. But he says, Lord, let them be ashamed that they see that you are, you are right. In fact, let's just, I'll just turn back to that. Chapter 80, or Psalm 83, verse 16. He says, fill their faces with shame. Oh my, make them ashamed that they may seek your name, O Lord. Lord, may they be ashamed of what they're doing. In other words, convict them of sin. Make, they, make them... Uh, See that they were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard their despairing, shameful cry. And from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Isn't that what we want? I don't want, you know, I do, but I don't. Lord, sometimes you think, Lord, just, I, I don't say kill them, but she's, Lord, really let their car tear up, let some, you know, whatever, uh, you know, or break their arm, whatever, break their head, you know, really do something, humiliate them, you know. But no, Lord, whatever you do, as you love me, you love them. And so, Lord, what, if you bring shame, make it, you know, make them ashamed because you convict them. Like you shamed me, or I was ashamed of my sin when I saw what a sinner I was. And especially the way I've treated other people. I'm ashamed of some of the things I've done in the past. So Lord, um, help me. Help them to be ashamed that they may see you. And then, uh, 
You know, I've been a meditator, but notice again that he says uh, they've treated, but I will meditate on your word. So I'm going to keep my mind on you. Now, I can't help what they're saying or what they're doing. And that's a recurring theme all through this psalm. And yet, Lord, and notice how he's having to fight it. Even by the mention of it tells us that he's got it in the back of his mind and he's got to figure out how to keep God in control of his mind. Right? Because his mind is wanting to go back and worry. But I'm going to meditate on his word. I'm on your word. I'm going to stretch myself out. I'm going to do everything I can to cling to your word, Lord. And in the back of my mind, I realize if I don't, I'm going to be destroyed. <laughs> really, it's, uh, it's something there that uh, he's battling. He's really battling um, life. But now, in verse, so we see this, let them be ashamed. But in verse 79, let those who fear turn to me. So Lord, those who fear you, may they just, may, we, may they see, first of all, I need a little bit of help, but I need encouragement. But then I just need some fellowship around other Christians that love you. I could be around a lot of people and we could, you know, we could have a pity party, but I'm not, I'm, I'm wanting those people who really fear you. I need some good companionship. And so Lord, uh, uh, let them turn to me. And but for another thing, uh, Lord, let them see in me something that they can latch on to. Make me a blessing to them. But uh, may they see your grace working in me. And may they see your testimonies. And there's that word testimonies again. And there again, what they, may they see what you do be an encouragement to them. So what you, what you do in my life, let that be encouragement to them. May they want to, not only want to be around me as we saw earlier, but Lord, may they, that's the reason I like testimony services. Uh, where somebody gives a testimony and I say, man, Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, that you've, you've met their need, Lord. And, if, and I know that if you can do that in their lives, you can do it in mine. Or you see a Christian and they've been growing in the Lord. And all, you just say, Lord, it's so great to have that. But Lord, may I be an encouragement to them. But then again, in being an encouragement to them, it blesses me to be a blessing to them. So it's almost, you know, whenever we say, Lord, make me a blessing, it's almost a selfish prayer, isn't it? Because we want to be, it's a blessing to know that you're a blessing. It's around, kind of a round-robin type of thinking. But Lord, I want your testimonies to be true. And then the last one, so we see, he said, let, uh, the fourth one was, let those turn to me. But then let my heart be blameless. And there, notice he says that I may not be ashamed. Uh, the other people he does, but Lord, don't, he's, of course, he said, I, don't, my, I want my enemies to be ashamed, but I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to do something foolish that would take away from your name. Now, I don't mind being a fool for Christ's sake, as Paul said, but Lord, make sure that I don't blow it. And give me wisdom that whatever happens tomorrow, whenever I have to meet these people who have been lying about me or whatever, may I have the proper response. May I not be ashamed and may I not make others ashamed of your testimony. May your testimony be pure in my life. Give me the right reactions. And if I have the wrong reactions and I will make mistakes, then Lord, help me to recover quickly that others will see that you're walking with me. And so Lord, uh, 
Uh, I don't want to be embarrassed by, by my reactions. But if I am, I hope I don't embarrass you. But if I do, let's, get, let's straighten it out as fast as we can. Because even in my mistakes, you can be glorified. As I hang on to your word and trust you. And uh, how, how many times in the ministry, I, Pastor, I like what you did, but I just don't like the way you did it. No matter what I did, you weren't going to be pleased. You know, <laughs> you know. Are you a pastor? You're going to take a stand here. So you take a stand, and then everybody says, You're, uh, I liked what you did, but you, know, you said it the wrong way. Well, come up here and help me. You know? <laughs> so it's amazing how that happens. As a parent, you've had that problem. I mean, you did the right thing, you did it the wrong way, and all this kind of stuff. You never, you never can please everybody. Sometimes you just have to let the chips fall where they may. But at the same time, Lord, I want to be sensitive to make sure that I'm doing it your way. And that it's pleasing. If it's pleasing in your sight, then it's right. And that's what I want. And pe other people will come around. Those who love you and fear you are going to come around. Those who are just looking for a reason to pick me apart and say all kinds of bad things about they're, they're, If it's not this, there'll be something else that they'll be saying something about me. And so let them be ashamed, Lord. But make sure that I'm not ashamed or you're not ashamed and the people who love me are not ashamed of what you're doing in my life. Isn't that good stuff? It really is. I mean, Lord, make me a blessing. May I be a blessing. May I be an encouragement to others. Okay, any questions? I mean, this is just good psychology, isn't it? I mean, this psalm is so full of psychological benefits as we meditate on his word.